and welcome to Facecheck. Uh, after a couple of months hiatus, I'm back, I'm Barry, and with me again, as always, is Dan. Hi, Dan. Hi, Barry. It's uh, been a long time since the rock and roll. Indeed, I've actually got like two podcasts sitting, um, so we've now got a very out-of-date pack opening, I think, <laughs> and uh, a chat with the guys from, from Run Last Click that I've still not really sorted out. Um, but yeah, Take back- time out of uh, their busy, busy podcast superstar schedules and this is you know the appreciation you show uh a little bit yes i i feel bad about it but not so bad that i'm going to do anything about it but um i just want to acknowledge the fact that you know we did do this show and i've still not really put it out yet but on the plus side you know evergreen content that can get published at some point later indeed um so we're back as uh, a couple of videos on YouTube. I'm sure you've watched them uh, already this week, <laughs> and uh, many, many changes in the the Netrunner scene. So it seems worth coming back and giving people our really informed and and great insights into how this is going to affect things. But first things first, let's get serious. What team are you? Uh, well, it looks like everyone around me is red, so I will probably jump on that bandwagon uh, because I, I don't really have the time to go against the flow, you know. Ah, uh, yellow, yellow man. Well, you know, it's all, it's all these guys who started playing before it was even out here, um, you know, which can you do? Yeah, uh, it wasn't too long between uh, not being able to get it and getting it. Uh, for those that don't know what we're talking about, you know, we're talking about the new Pokemon Go app. Um, you can go out into the world and catch you some of them Pokemons all the cool kids are talking about. I chose Chew. Did you get a Pikachu to start with? Uh, no, I Squirtle, man. Squirtle forever. <laughs> Squirtle. My, 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 first, my actual first ever Pokemon. Why would I get anything else? I went for uh, Bulbasaur. So there we go, just uh, polar opposites. <laughs> You're red with Squirtle. I, I caught a Squirtle earlier today, actually. He was orange, first orange Pokemon to catch. Squirtle's uh, a, a blue, Barry. Uh, I'm not sure. What yeah, but the difficulty bars. <laughs> I've played very little, to be honest. Uh, yeah, well, I'm level six <laughs> now or something. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And playing in London feels a lot like easy mode when you see other people's screenshots. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, just everything <laughs> is a Pokestop. Yeah. And there's just Pokemon everywhere, and there's gyms everywhere. Um, yeah, very hard not to uh, do well. But uh, I'm not complaining. Uh, I can actually, I'm at a Pokestop at work, so I just open it up every so often, spin the <laughs> wheel, get some new Pokeballs or some stuff, and then just see if there's any Zubats hanging around. Um, <laughs> as, as there always is. Yeah, invariably. And take it from there. Uh, what other big news has there been in the, the the three months since we've last been on air? Well, I'm I'm not sure we should get into politics, Barry. That's you know I'm probably going to turn off a lot of our foreign listener. Um. Well, yeah, Brexit. Um, <laughs> obviously, knock on price for Netrunner, as you know that yeah. that's put the the packs up by a pound, and that's on top of the pound that uh, went up by at the start of the year as well. So it's now thirteen ninety nine. Yeah. Now we'd go back and like compare that to well, you know, in dollar value, this is what it is. But since a pound's about a dollar now, anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got that. But I like, what sixteen, yeah, sixteen percent price hike since uh, the start of the year. So uh, uh, the barrier to entry there's even higher now for for a new UK player. Yeah, and sadly affecting well the entire, well everything, but specifically all board games as well. 
Yeah, anything. So that's, that's what's important, really. That, that is what's important. Uh, to be fair, one of my first thoughts waking up that morning hearing the news was, oh, I wonder if I can still uh, get good prices on European board games. Priorities, priorities in order. But the uh, bigger news, obviously, of course, for Netrunner came out just uh, this week. And we now have a new Most Wanted list, uh, along with a new tournament structure and a new FAQ. So that's what we're going to talk through today, I think. Uh, what do you want to start with? Um, well, so on my notes, such as they are, I've kind of started with the uh, errata and various mm-hmm. updates to that before diving into the uh, the Most Wanted new additions. Yep. So new rata comes into effect on Monday, uh, or will be in effect by the time you hear this probably, um, 18th of July, and makes a lot of rather big changes. Uh, so Danny, why don't you start by talking us through some of the new errated cards? All right, well, I think we should probably start with the, the big one, the, the, the real standout of these ones, and that is everyone's favourite wonderful well-balanced agenda mm-hmm. Astrostrict pilot program yep. uh, is now going to have a one-per-deck restriction. Ooh. Uh, now, do we have Tim Fowler on Suicide Watch? Uh, well, he, you know, he was uh, he's not happy, but he still has Sam Sam, so, you know. <laughs> and he's still got one Astro. Yeah. And, you, you know, could always, you know, uh, 24-7 to get some counters back. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Look, it basically hardly slowed him down at all. You can uh, just play merger instead. You know, I don't see what the big problem is. <laughs> yeah, there's another three two just waiting to fill the slot. Indeed. Yeah, massive change. The core set, of course, comes with two AstroScript pilot programs, and that's used to make up the twenty one agenda points within uh, the MBN deck in the core. Um, and reading the text, the most recent printings of the cards have the corrected text. So every new printing of the core set now is going to have a limit one per deck astro script but two in the box and no way of making a legal 20 point deck out of uh, mbn or am i thinking overthinking that um yeah that is the uh if they are updating the card text on upcoming printings then that is slightly concerning yeah always with things like the most wanted list and other so forth it's been very easy to say well you know if you if you're just playing kitchen table out of the box then you, you really don't need to pay attention to the the tournament restrictions for deck building mm-hmm. but yeah uh if that's going to be on there that could be certainly confusing for newer players yep uh, a couple of suggestions i've seen are astro script out third breaking news in and that takes them to 20 so they'll have the fewest agenda points in the in the core uh, although the same number of agendas uh, alternatively game of thrones says to ignore deck building rules uh, when when doing like the the setup decks yeah mm-hmm. and that makes real sense you know because the the decks themselves will still be as balanced as they are for playing each other so i think yeah just putting the note in the manual saying i say ignore this stuff if you're just playing with the starter decks. However, it does mean that there's no option for a core set player to ever go to a tournament with an MBN deck uh, and play with what they've got. So I imagine, I, I like the, the breaking news instead of an AstroScript uh, swap around, um, just because then the option is at least is there. Yeah. Uh, what else is in the errata section? 
Um, so the next ones I've got are, this is kind of a minor um, little wording change on uh, both Director Haas and Rachel Beckman, mm-hmm. where it specifies that the extra click you gain is only on your own turn. You're not going to be uh, gaining any clicks on the other player's turn. Something which was probably, you know, obvious to most, but it's just clearing that little thing up. Yeah, I mean, uh, previously, both Rachel Beckman and Director Haas, you have one additional click to spend each turn. That yes. obviously meant each of your turns. Because um, yeah. there was actually nothing you could spend your clicks on during the uh, corp, corp turn. If you look through the, the timing and structure of a turn, um, there's no opportunity for the runner to actually spend any of their clicks. Um, so, yeah, it's just a, a little bit of clarification, I think. And then one more. Uh, yes, that was uh, the um, Museum of History. Uh, everyone's favourite new asset uh, mm-hmm. is now getting the lovely little diamond. So that is going to be unique. You can only have one of those arrested at a time. Unique New York. So both Wireless Net Pavilion and Museum of History slipped through playtesting there without being unique. That said, I've rarely seen really more than one Museum of History resed until sort of late game. I guess all you do is you res the other one, you shuffle one back in, and then they go and trash that. So you're spending a couple of credits to waste a click and some credits for the, the runner each turn. I guess it makes it a little harder to find. Yeah, it's, uh, there is that. And I think the key thing of this is it do, It means that the uh, your size of R&D isn't actually going to be increasing at the start of your turn. Um, you know, if you had three of those resed, shuffle three cards back, draw one, you've got two more cards in R&D than you did at the start of your turn, which is a little, uh, yeah. you know, given that supposedly the, the corp running out of cards is, you know, it is an alternate win condition for the runner and a, a time limit on the game, then, yeah, it's uh, nice to not be too obscene with uh, stalling it out. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the biggest problems with the card was, was like you say, uh, removing a win condition for the runner and also just being really obnoxious for <laughs> getting everything back in. Yeah, it remains to be seen. I'm not sure this is quite as big a hit as it may initially look, but... Um... Yeah. And I don't think on its own it's uh, going to uh, truly curtail things, but, you know, when, when, when we see it in concert with the uh, other changes that have been brought in, who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, well, let's keep running through the blue text. Uh, see some more or some further rules clarifications. Uh, you want to give a brief rundown of what those are? Uh, sure, if I can remember them from my really in-depth two-word notes. So I've <laughs> got down next uh, multi-access. So this is uh, referring to... Um, so before you're accessing cards specifically out of places like HQ and R&D, uh, you're actually going to cal- kind of calculate the total number of accesses that there are going to be um, based on you know whatever uh, effects you have in place, your HQ interfaces, your legworks, your maker's eyes, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I hopefully I'm remembering this correctly, but <laughs> say things like if uh, Leela was running on HQ 
and was going to have a multi-access that would give her more potential accesses than there are actually cards. Mm -hmm. If she then, as part of that, stole an agenda, bouncing the whatever card into HQ, she would, you know, still be able to access that card. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if there's three cards in hand, you're, you're seeing four cards somehow. Uh, first card you pick up is an agenda. You bounce something else back to hand, you still get to see all three of those. Indeed. Uh, and that's pretty much it. I mean, it works kind of... I think it's just clarification again. I think that's how everybody is playing it. It's the kind of way yeah. medium works uh, in particular, where you choose the number of access or set the number of accesses um, before the actual accesses happen. And then... Uh, things resolve mm -hmm. and one more i don't know if you've made a note of this one uh are we still talking about multi-accesses nope okay um because i've got a lot more so i'm not <laughs> sure which your, your well, it's the last ones. part of the rules clarifications is this we're talking about viruses purging off yes purging virus counters purging, yes so you can only spend your your three clicks to purge viruses if it would wipe out virus counters or cause a card to be trashed yeah and that's kind of calling back to the there was there has been some confusion lately whereby it's you know can can you purge to trash a clot or a lamprey if there aren't actually any virus counters to purge mm -hmm. and and like like with the other one i'm pretty sure everyone was playing it as yes yes you can yeah, but uh, just again, it's the change in state on the board. Yeah, um, it kind of falls under that. If you do purge, something happens, or the board state changes, and therefore uh, you can. Yep. But of course, it's not just things that you can do, but in terminology mm -hmm. terms, also things that you cannot. Um, what has actually changed for this this wording in the terminology? Um, I'm not entirely sure. I it. It's possible this is, you know, just codifying something that had been done, you know, as one of the Twitter rulings or something. But it is that cannot always trumps can. Yeah, I wonder if previously this was just in the rule book and not specified, as you say, such a an exact term. Uh, just, you know, cannot beats can. But then this is saying, I think this is about partial effects. Right. Um, so if two cards conflict and the first card prohibits an effect, ability or action, using the word cannot, the second card cannot be played or triggered, unless the prohibited action is a condition granted by way of a non-prohibited effect. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure quite what that's fixing, but um, it's there. Uh, I'm not against them making you know more clarity and further rules almost, uh, just so everybody's playing the same game. So one uh, one thing that's come up as well is uh, around Adam, and uh, in particular, well, not just for him, but they, they've again added the rule here, initiate versus making a run, and the difference between both. So what is the difference between initiating a run and making a run? Making a run is referring specifically to the runner action, spend a click, make a run, whereas there's various... Uh, programs and so forth which have an effect which initiates a run obviously things like keyhole and sneak door beta so uh the the ruling itself there or the the clarification to the terminology 
Initiating a run is any card ability or use of the basic action that directly causes a run. Making a run refers to the basic click action to cause a run. Uh, a card ability that says make a run initiates a run but does not count as having spent a basic click action to do so. So yes, playing a card or just saying make a run um, is different from using an ability on the card that lets you make a run. Yeah. Yep. Clear as mud. Yep. No, it's <laughs> relatively straightforward. It is, yeah. Um, I'm not entirely sure I'd ever really seen many Adam players trying to use even keyhole or, or sneak door. Um, was that a, a thing? I no, I, I don't. I can't say that I ever have. Uh, they seem to be much more into the uh, certainly playing card events such as uh, dirty laundry and so forth <laughs> to to take advantage of that. But, uh, but that's still I, allowed, right? Uh, mm. No, it is. So the it is yes. <clears throat> the first part of that is uh, initiating a run is any card ability or use of the basic action. Um, um, whereas a card ability that says make a run there's not. Okay, because I, I do know it does specifically uh, mention always mm. be running later on. Yeah. Oh yeah, so the the just briefly skipping ahead to Ants, because we're talking about Adam, uh, later on always be running uh, does clarify only that Programs that make a run, such as Negro Beta, Keyhole, etc., uh, do not fulfill the requirement. Uh, I'm going to assume since there's no mention of events, that that's A-OK and you can keep doing that. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, is, is an event a card ability, is the question. Mm. And I would suggest, uh, just from Thrones rulings and stuff, uh, what you can and can't get away with, uh, I'm going to go with no. Yeah, that certainly is the least fun option, so that's probably correct. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't see any reason not to let Adam trigger with dirty laundry. If that if that's the effect they're going for, then uh, it just makes a a troubled runner <laughs> much worse. Yeah, it's not like Adam is going around and crushing everyone and needs reining back in, so... Yeah. So uh, I believe that's nor, nor is anyone splashing always be running into um, their keyhole decks. Not really, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I believe events still uh, activate there. Um, they then clarify past, so going past the piece of ice. And that does that open up a, a point in the timing chart now? Or was that timing always there? Mm. In terms That's of the, the only answer you're going to get from me, I, I think. See, I see. Um, yeah, in terms of the codification of uh, what counts as going past the phase here. Let's, let's run to the timing structure of a run, or go to the timing structure yeah. of a run here. Uh, yeah, so they've added that in. So at 3.2 has added text that lets you look at having passed. Now, people were always playing having passed ice correctly, I don't think there's anybody playing it wrong. You know, Caprice in particular uh, uh-huh. sorted everybody's timing structures there. Oh, yes. Um, but again, just codified. And then pile. So one of the, the new cards requires you to make a pile. Well, what is a pile? It's a stack of one or more cards. Yep. So you can't make two piles consisting of when you've only got one card in hand. No. There's the, the fix there. Now, Swap, this is one that was uh, primarily for D.Va programs, right? 
yes. Well, I mean, we did have uh, Midori, I believe, for a very long time, which has a swap effect, but yeah. uh, not a hugely played card, so uh, not so well uh, tracked. And also, we now have cards like Technical Writer, which uh, trigger off installations, and so it's a little bit of clarification for what could be uh, causing that to gain counters. Okay, so uh, talk me through what Swap actually does then. So, well, Swap is an exchange of two named things or groups of things, cards, counters, tokens, etc. When they're swapped, both exchange places simultaneously, and anything hosted is trashed if the hosting card is uninstalled during the swap. Okay, so the the card being swapped out is uninstalled. Is the card yes. being swapped in installed? Ah, you see, <laughs> now it doesn't actually say, but it doesn't say that it is being installed. It's being exchanged. Uh, and I'm sure I've seen unofficial rulings um, that are certainly saying that it's not installed. Well, it is not being installed as an action. It ends up in an installed state, but you're not installing it. Yeah, I think that's correct. Uh, and then there is a clarification on what uninstalled means as well. Yep. So anytime an installed card goes anywhere else, basically, if it's going into HQ, R&D, archives, grip, stack or heap, uh, a score area, or is being removed from the game, then it is being uninstalled so if something was trashed for example would that count uh trashed from where in play from in play yes yep all right so that kind of makes sense i guess although yeah i think from swap they could have been more clear on whether the, the replacement card is installed versus mm. uninstalled but in fact it doesn't say that it is so let's say that it is not so as Netrunner has gone on, you know, some of the effects have, have comboed together and, and made things a little trickier. Now we've got a section on, on sort of uh, chain reactions and chain reactions that cause a search. So uh, that's in response to the Heritage Committee, is it? Yes, so yeah. uh, the, particularly its combination with Mumbad City Hall. Mm. Um, so this ties into actually uh, another... It's in combination with a, a new uh, uh, ruling that is described later on, whereby uh, when a search action takes place, uh, once you've completed the search, you actually shuffle what the uh, R&D or stack um, before you carry out the actual rest of the action that triggered the search. So the uh, the famous degenerate so-called combo uh, was Mumbad City Hall, which would let you search your R&D for an alliance card and then either play or install it, paying the cost. Mm -hmm. uh, so what people were doing would be triggering the search, looking at the top three cards to see if they wanted to draw those. Uh, and if they did, they would... Um, fish out the Heritage Committee and enact it 
Uh, if they didn't, they would go get their Museum of History or Mumba Temple or whatever other Alliance cards they happen to be running. Uh, it did obviously recently realise there is a similar combination, although less famously exploited on the runner side, whereby you could hostage for a street peddler, um, just to you know, so you'd know ahead of time what was going to be going on to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously neither of those are now possible because as soon as you've retrieved the um, the card, you're going to be shuffling uh, before it gains or draws whatever the top three cards of your deck are, and so you have no idea what they're going to be. Yeah, uh, I don't know how broken that combo was. I mean, it was good because obviously Heritage Committee, you get your three cards, you put your agenda back, then you shuffle it away. Yeah. Which is okay, but then it's still in R&D. <laughs> the runner could still get it. It could still be on top. Yes, it could. But because you're so easily able to hide the agendas in there, I believe the the big problem people were seeing was in the, the famous uh, Industrial Genomics prison deck, uh, the Bioethics uh, lockout. Mm-hmm. Um, because your other centrals were generally unappealing to run, either they're full of shocks or snares or whatever. And because you're not scoring agendas, uh, you can just fortify R&D with a collection of hives and uh, Koma Inu and such just to make it very, very taxing. And you're playing a very low agenda density deck in your 54 cards already. So it's... uh, yeah. Again, yeah, just co- contributed for as one archetype. Um, but it's good that it's been clarified. Now, something new players uh, try and do fairly often is they'll initially use a click to do something and then try and use that click to do also trigger off something else because you're doing this first thing. Uh, and similarly, when they uh, access a card or make a successful run, um, they try and trigger the replacement effect on multiple cards at once uh, now that was previously clarified i believe but yep. um here the the update what is the update on replacement effects uh i'm going to guess and it's going to be the clarification that any ability which uses the word instead is a replacement yeah and then once the effect's been replaced with a new one no other replacement effects can be triggered off the original effect so you can't have multiple triggers um, which some people may have been doing mm-hmm. uh, right still going uh, so this is quite a, a extensive update I guess to the, the FAQ um, but a lot of it's just really clarifying what players in the know or how they were already playing I guess yeah yeah there's uh, there's little which is actually going to change how people play. It's just to kind of codify and for the edge cases where people are uncertain or interpreting it differently, it's clarifying this. Yeah, Um, which is good. I'm happy. Yep, fewer arguments is always nice. Uh, So then we come on to costs and trashing is a cost. Um, The change there being... That they've added to this section. Um, when a card has a trash ability that's triggered, 
Any reference to the game state within that resolving effect is based on the game state as it was at the moment of trashing, but with the trash card considered a new copy of the card in archives or the heap. What does that mean? So it's as you so you pay your trash effect and then as you're resolving whatever it is the card you're trashing exists in the heap however if it had any counters or anything on that they're no longer in existence because it's effectively a new instance of this card in the heap rather than the actual one that was out there yeah, so uh, the example they give is with allele repression, uh, with three advancements on it, they can swap that back. They can swap the allele repression that they've trashed to trigger uh, back into HQ using its effect. Yes, because at the time that you're checking the cards you can pull out of the heap, there is a copy of allele repression in there. Yeah, so I'm trying to think of something that may or may not combo with this or, or have come up uh, fairly recently with trying to SMC or clone chip for um, cards that aren't there yet. Uh, I can't quite remember what, what the discussion was but... Um, uh, I know there was discussion regarding scavenge. Yeah, that was right. Yeah. So, for example, if you had an empty uh, lady could you scavenge it if there were no programs in your heap? And mm. I'm not entirely sure this affects that. No. Because I... this that isn't trashing as a... Well, it's not trashing as a cost with the little picture of a bin. It's as an additional cost. Yeah. So, yeah, that... Uh, sorry, what we just discussed there with the Leo repression uh, or the abilities uh, trashing is things that have the trash symbol... Um, additional costs come under a separate section and uh, may not strictly apply. Because you definitely can't scavenge if there's nothing there, right? That was the outcome of the... If there's no programs in your heap, you can't scavenge. I believe so, yes. Because there's no valid targets when you play it. Yes, so yeah. uh, at the time you're playing it, it can't affect the game state. Yeah. Or something. Um, cool. So, hosting... Uh, and this explains what hosting is. It may seem like a daft question, but, or a, uh, but it has come up a few times as to what's hosted on something or not. This is an update to the rule that's in the rule book. So hosting is the result of placing a counter on top of a card, or a card on or beneath another card, creating a relationship between the host card and what is hosted. If a card states that it can host cards but has no ability that states how, it can only host a card as it's being installed. If the card states how it hosts card, that is the only way that card can be hosted on it. So uh, I take it this is for things like Gin or uh, Leprechaun maybe played after something's down and then somebody wants to host something on it that's already installed, which you cannot do. Yep. Um, but again, that's just a fairly straightforward clarification, right? There's nothing tricky that that's come up for. I want to say I remember when Film Critic was first released, mm -hmm. there was some discussion about whether the corporation could host their agendas onto it or something along those lines. Yeah, that's right. Um, and similarly, no, I'm sure there was something else as well. Or like, yeah. 
I can't remember. They mentioned Glen Station here. I think that came up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just just clarifies exactly how it works. Mm-hmm. And then this one's uh, interesting-ish, the destruction of servers. Now, previously, I think, you know, if you overwrote a server using, say, the runner had Astro layabout, uh, and you <clears throat> overwrote a server, it would count as a new server. I don't know if that was how people were playing it. Um, but now it's just clarifying that if you overwrite all the cards in a server, the server still exists, even when all those cards are gone, for the new card to go into it. Um, now, am I making up that people were playing Astrolabe that way, or...? Um, I never accounted that particular situation um maybe because i wasn't clever enough to ever try it <laughs> but um well i think it comes yeah. down to the point of things like echo mind or uh um like echo mind levy or order of soul when halfway through a resolution things happen so if you, you levy yeah. with uh echo mind out you've got zero mu so you'd have to trash everything because uh, at some point you've got no cards in your hand yeah. and similarly with order of soul if you uh, spend five to sure gamble. When you spent that five, you've gone to zero, and that'll come yeah. in as well. Yeah. So uh, similar to that, when you're getting rid of the cards, suddenly there's nothing there, and then there's a, a new something there. But this just clarifies that the server never disappears. Yeah. It also means you can't. I'm not sure if you ever would, but for example, purposes of clearing out a cyber ciphered remote. Yep. But you might as well just make a new server. I mean, it's not yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, just give him a card. Who cares? You know? <laughs> uh, very true. So, uh, inactive cards. Now, what's an inactive card? That's a new thing that's been added. Um, yeah, so that is an... I don't know what is an inactive card. When are cards actually inactive? Um, is that... Yeah. I yeah, don't. I don't know. <laughs> An inactive card retains its printed characteristics, name, card type, faction, cost, subtypes, influence, etc. And a special note there that face down runner cards on page six are an exception, so that's next. Yeah, because that was the only example I could think of. So, well, uh, you know, there's a card in Game of Thrones, Milk of the Poppy, where the you, you end up blanking uh, the text box. Um, well, I mean, we def- we do have that kind of thing with uh, Magnet. Uh, well, you've got Magnet and Doctor Lovegood, right? Yeah, but that again, that's blanking the text box. It's not deactivating. Yeah, very good. So maybe it's something we're going to see this cycle. Yeah, it could be getting ahead of the curve there. Yeah. Um. Then clarification on how searching a player's deck works, but that just yep. kind of restates the uh, the shuffling yeah. thing from before. And then there's a big chunk here on approaching ice. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I think it's how it's always been played by people that have been playing for a while, that if you install over the top, you know, the runner goes with the last bit of ice that they've encountered, and if you trash all of them, then he's, he's passed all the ice. Yeah. Um, so what what's the um what's the too long didn't read version of this? Um so I mean the 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 very first paragraph really kind of sums it up most of its examples. So it's uh, as you're 
approaching ice. Well, sorry, as you're working your way through the ice, protecting a server, your position's counted uh, relative from the outermost. So, um, as, as you're going in, so say you've passed one piece of ice. Um, if the well, ah, dead air, forgotten <laughs> everything. The the uh, I guess so you, you you can't be pushed further out from the piece of ice relative to the kind of the depth. You know, um, if someone installs ice, so normally when you're installing ice, say off an architect, that's going to be go to the outermost, regardless of you know however many you trash. But you can't that way force the runner to encounter that piece because they've already passed where the effect that's where it's going to be. Yeah, pretty much. So the the clarification there for a piece of ice is added in a position the runner has not yet passed, then the runner will encounter that piece of ice. But yep. If the piece of ice in an inner position is uninstalled during a run, uh, the runner and all ice move one position closer to the server. And that the runner does not re-encounter any ice already passed. So yeah, you effectively can't really install something to make the runner encounter it unless you can somehow squeeze it in the middle of the server. Is there a is there an upgrade that does that? Hmm, not entirely sure that there's anything that kind of. No, I don't think there's anything no. at this point. Well, I mean, I I guess if it was deep enough, if you architected something to the outside and then used Mumbad City Grid to swap a piece of ice with that one. You could do something. I don't know. Let's have a look. Basically, I don't think you can... Yeah, Like I say, you can't push the runner further out to re-encounter in the same position. Um, So that's that. Pretty simple when you think about it. Uh, And then finally, we've got face-down runner cards. Now, why might a card end up face down? Apocalypse! Yep. And uh, that uh, Apex card. Uh, bleh. Well, Apex itself. Um, yes, Harbinger. And also, if you use the um, trash ability on Hunting Ground. Yep. And just, I say, Apex ability himself. Just. Uh, yeah putting them face down uh also on street peddler technically yes they are face down they are face down um so what does this tell us about face down cards uh face down cards do not have a name type or subtype and their abilities are not active so an uh, inactive card you see yes but the face down cards are the exception to the <laughs> inactive ruling um and yep the runner can look at their own face down cards at Anytime. Uh, as always, cards in the runner's heap are face up, and that includes if it is a face down card being trashed. So if you are selling them to Aesop, for example, it's. Um, yeah, face down cards aren't uninstalled. They're still in the same position. So regarding the resource hardware program row. Yeah. Um. Well, I think I think we've just clarified what an inactive card is, because the exception is face down runner cards, but face down corporation cards 
Oh, yeah, they've got cards too. <laughs> Correct. So there we go. That's what we were missing. So face down ice or assets or upgrades agendas, uh, they are yeah. inactive, but still retain uh, all the Yeah, the still types. Lines. Yeah. Right, that makes still sense. Uh, so there we go. So face down, runner cards being the exception. And what is the exception there? Um, the exception being that the face down runner cards don't have their name type or subtype. They are just yeah. a card. Correct. Right. Clarified again. Boom. Working our way through it. Yeah. So then uh, not a huge amount of uh, changes from previous cycles, I don't think. We've We've worked out quite a few of those, not until we get um, to a fairly important one from the uh, the spin cycle. Yep. Which is punitive counter-strike. Now, punitive counter-strike had some, what's the word I'm after? Differing rulings, <laughs> depending <laughs> who you spoke to. Um, uh, you know, official or semi-official ones, uh, or unofficial ones even. Uh, but how does punitive counter-strike work now? So, the update to punitive counter-strike Punikov count dispute uh, is that if your trace is successful, you're going to be doing meat damage to the runner equal to the number of printed agenda points on agendas they stole during the last turn. The emphasis being on printed. Okay, and if I get rid of an agenda I've stolen through to data dealer or artist colony, something along those lines, what happens then? I don't know, Barry. What does happen then? <laughs> I don't know. That's a genuine <laughs> question. Because previously, um, if you were able to get rid of it, it wasn't there to trigger, right? Uh, indeed. Is that still the case, or now are you taking that damage? Mm, that is not clear. I mean, going as written, it doesn't specify that they have to be in the score area. Uh, how... Yeah, there's no stipulation that they still have to be in the score area. But do they still have to be in the game? um, I suppose if they're no longer in the game, they are potentially inactive and therefore don't have any... Well, no, they're inactive, but they are. They do are still agendas. We've just discovered this. Yeah, I mean, thanks for tuning in. We're clarifying everything for you by asking more questions that we don't know the answers for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. I assume that you now do. I feel like you should be able to. If you're going to put punitive counter-strike in your deck... Yeah, it's like, uh, you stole this top-secret corporate information. Oh, but you, you you sold it to some guy. Yeah, no, no, we, we can't do anything about <laughs> that then, I guess. Yeah, so... Uh, it's not punitive reclamation of data, you know. Correct. <laughs> still stole it. <laughs> We're still going to blow up your house. Well, uh, boom. Uh, let's come yes. on to that later. Um, and then next one is targeted marketing. Um, um, I, sorry, I do think we just skipped over something. Uh, just to clarify with punitive counter-strike, this affects uh, two agendas in particular, uh, Global Food Initiative and Merger. Yeah. So previously, the the Global Food Initiative would only be doing two points, and the merger would be doing three. Whereas obviously now they are going are from text as printed. So the Global Food Initiative will be doing three points, and the merger will only be doing two. Yep. Again, it makes sense. Keeps things easier. Yep. Although we still don't know if they have to still be in play when you play. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, next one, current, MBN current, targeted marketing. What is the clarification there? 
So the clarification here is uh, if you decide to be clever and name a runner current as the uh, the targeted marketing target, uh, you will not gain the 10 credits because the playing of that current trashes your targeted marketing before it has a chance to actually resolve its ability. Yeah, so you have to actually choose a card, like an event or something they're going to install, um, rather than a current itself. So a different event, I should clarify. Uh, then we've got a clarification on how hostile infrastructure works, but I believe uh, everybody was playing it this way anyway, although it is something that can be uh, not immediately obvious. But if hostile infrastructure and any other corp cards are trashed simultaneously, hostile infrastructure will do one net damage for each card trashed. So, uh, you know, effectively turns off your apocalypses uh, if one of them is raised. Well, unless um, you've got... Because remember, so the hostile damage, that's still going to be what multiple instances of one net damage mm-hmm. so if you've got enough uh i've had worses in hand because they will be able to trigger uh that it will give you a sum total of enough cards then you might still survive it or oh, plus a heartbeat and a few yeah. face down cards as well to, to sort you out yes yeah. you, you can but it makes uh apocalypsing much less appealing yeah, and it's almost like that's why they started playing them. <laughs> Indeed. Um, then from Data and Destiny, and we were speaking about Adam earlier, just a clarification on how Always Be Running works. So programs that make a run, such as Sneak Door Beta and Keyhole, do not fulfill the requirement to make a run on Always Be Running. But events do. So, as far as we know. <laughs> yeah, Maybe. Uh, now, Jeeves model bioroids, the only thing from the Mumbad cycle uh, on here at the moment. Again, just clarifies on, on what goes on with Jeeves. So he has to be raised for all the clicks being spent and playing a, a double operation or doing the something that requires multiple clicks counts as multiple clicks of that type. So a triple click from Lange or a double operation and a normal operation all count as three of a single thing. Yep. Um, cool beans. So, what else is in this here FAQ that we've not covered yet? Well, there is a little mention down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the runner encounters Archangel after an apocalypse has been played, can the corp just name a card that was previously installed? And the answer is... So the corp has to specifically indicate the face-down card they want to return. You can't just name a card that had been installed face-up. You have to remember which one's which. Seems unnecessary. It does, rather, but... hmm. I mean, the... uh, uh, You know, you're going to have to force the runner after an apocalypse, to lay out his cards in a very methodical manner. Like, okay, put that there, put that there kind of thing, or, or at least tell well, you what ones so... are putting face down. They can't, they can't put them face down, shuffle them, and then deal them out. Exactly. So it's generally... So it's assumed a lot, I noticed, through these that they will be adhering to the concept of a hardware row, program row, and resource row. So they'll need to remain in whatever position they were when face up. They're just flipped over. Well, is that an assumption? 
because once it's face down, it no longer has any of those types. But it does clearly actually say earlier when it's talking about face down cards that they stay in those rows and any cards which are coming in face down from an out of game source, so things like um, Apex, will go into their own distinct row. Gotcha. Um, so I, I've certainly been playing uh, properly in that sense. You know, I've got my runner on my right and then I've got the three rows, but many people just throw things all over the place. I mean, yeah, I, I certainly try to keep things grouped together by type. Uh, I, can, I can't always claim to keep them in rows, but yeah, um, just yeah, keep keep your keep your rigs tidy, runners. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, do it. I will come round your house. Do it now. <laughs> Get to the chopper. Um, the chopper. Get to the chopper. Get to the chopper. Brilliant. Uh, let's just put. Arnie's face on it. <laughs> we'll sell it as all arts. Brilliant. Right, and then kind of coming towards the end, so just the updated timing structures. Now, timing structures are really the, uh, you know, the, the what's the word I'm after? You know, they're critical to playing the game, understanding the timing structure yeah. and when you can and can't do something. So any update to this is, is significant. Uh, however, these aren't massive changes. They're just really clarifying when things do and don't come in. Um, yeah primarily with clicks so this new cycle has terminal events where you get uh, where you have to end your turn after playing them so what happens to those clicks if you don't spend them you lose them pretty much so it does just clarify when clicks are gained and uh, when clicks are lost in terms of the, the timing structure of a run um, however uh, sorry the timing structure of a turn However, the timing structure for run has a few other bits put in there. Uh, so there's quite a bit of blue. What What's the important parts of the timing structure for run changing? Uh, so it does clarify that um, as you initiate the run, you're going to be gaining a credit for each uh, point of bad publicity the corp has. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also that you will lose those if unspent at the end point of the run, so whether that's uh, successful or unsuccessful. Yep. Now that's important because certainly, uh, perhaps as a newer player, you you literally spend bad pub when you're running, um, rather than use it as an extra credit in your credit pool, which is how it's actually worded. So if a, a corp raised Shinobi or something, many people would just take that bad pub and use it straight away but you don't have it yep. indeed <laughs> uh, you have a bad pub but you don't have the credit that you get for for having it at the start of the run yeah and also you get those credits every run on the turn yeah some people will only spend them once per yeah. turn uh, but no every run start of every run and then in terms of the encounter phase and the, the passing the ice uh that's clarified as well um once you've resolved all subroutines not broken on the encounter dice then the, either the run ends, and you go to six, or the run continues, and you, the ice is passed. So that's uh, incorporated into 3.2. It's not its own... What's the word? Its own phase. What would you call, like, the, the sub-phases there? Uh, step. Yeah, it's not its own step. Yep. And then you go to, to get more ice. And then, finally, with the clarification on how to decide how many cards are being accessed. That's an, a new step. 
Uh, is that a new step? Uh, it's not really a new step. It's just done at the very start of the access step. Yeah, that's right. So previously it was access cards, then go to five. Now determine number of cards to be accessed, then access cards, and then go to five, uh, where basically the run finishes up. Um, mm -hmm. So something I'd like to point out, and hopefully uh, I'm playing a lot of Spark on Jinteki, right? And uh, people do not believe that phase uh, step 1.1 exists any turn, right? So <laughs> I'll install uh, three adverts. I'll res on my turn, I'll res on their turn, and then I want to res on my turn again before taking the credits off a launch campaign or a pad campaign, for example. So, um, And people are like, can't do that. No, it's, it wasn't res when your turn begins. I was like, no, my turn begins, but then my turn begins. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, yeah, the, the, the res paidability and scoring window before the turn begins event yeah, happens. So before the trigger for when your turn begins starts. So, yes, I agree it was not raised when my turn begun, but it is raised for when my turn begins. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, if you're playing me in Spark and I try and raise something, you're just going to have to manually lose that credit, okay? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, just because... uh, so is that, um, is that phase not implemented within Jintaki then? No, you can either uh, choose... To, it prompts you, you know, you have when your turn begins triggers. Yeah. But if you do that, it's still their turn. Ah, uh, I see. Now, they did play around for a little point where you could um, click if you wanted to do something before their turn ended. So uh, there was a button at the top where you could click to uh, do something before in their turn, and then yeah. top that. But it adds unnecessary faff. I mean, it really it's pretty much only Spark that is going to make a difference for. Like any, yeah. Otherwise, you could raise the end of their turn, and it's the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, it's there's, functionally there's, the same. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing in between those to happen yeah um but yeah that's the yeah. thing it exists page 19 yeah. of the faq people yeah. i'll be referring you to that uh quite yeah. often. of course the uh the equivalent one for the runner uh is quite important um well if you're playing the uh surat grid um brain taping combo because um you need to have that little window where they've got clicks uh, that you use to fire them all off. Yep, so now 1.1, gain allotted clicks on the runner phase, then there's a res and paidability window, and then uh, turn begins, then res paidability window, and then actions. Um, yep. Actually, the runner the runner's action phase has changed quite a lot from the original rulebook, um, although it now probably just works as was intended. Mm -hmm. um, but previously that... Uh, that first paid ability window and, and res window wasn't stated. Right. So the runner could always get a click off before ah. uh, you could do anything, before you could res See. anything or, or, or uh, use a paid ability. Anyway, that, that's interesting. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But yeah, now it's uh, the same on both sides. And uh, just take the credit. Don't, don't tell me I'm cheating you. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like, please just give yourself minus one credit if I was to do this now. Otherwise, it's massive pain in the ass. Because um, my other option there is I raise it on my turn, and then I take the credits off and change the counters. Uh, but it's just so much easier if you just do minus one credit. Yeah. It makes my life easier. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so all those changes are pretty significant. What do you think is going to be the, the, the biggest shake-up from just the FAQ here? Um, well, uh, like we said at the start, uh, the restriction on AstroScript pilot program uh, yep. is going to fundamentally change the way the NBN plays. We'll, we'll come on to it, but obviously AstroScript now being limit one, is it still on the most wanted list? No. Okay, so at least you're not hammered on two fronts. Uh, it's a good card, but I guess, you know, <laughs> limit one is, is not uh, so good that it needs to be hit twice. Um, super. All right. Well, let's uh, wrap that up there. We're going to have a chat uh, next one for uh, the actual tournament changes and the most wanted list. And we'll also fire through the newest pack uh, to see what kind of things we can take from there to maybe make up some of that influence. Uh, but until next time, this is Face Check, jacking out. Bye. Right.